What's up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Ben here to introduce this episode of Rabbit Hole Recap. Qual rip between Matt and I. Always a qual rip. PSA. We will not be here next Thursday. The next Rabbit Hole Recap will be next Saturday, June 5th, 2021. We will be doing it live from Miami at the Bitcoin 2021 conference. If you're going to be there, can't wait to see you, freaks. Look forward to meeting you in person. And wrapping it up with the live episode. Love the live episodes. Very interactive. Very fun. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure this year. 12,000 tickets sold for Bitcoin 2021. Oy vey. Oy vey. What else is going on? What else we got going on here, freaks? A lot going on. A lot talked about this week. Heavy mining episode. China. Mining Council. Finding incentives, off-grid versus on-grid. A lot, of, a lot of strong debates. Uncle Marty or Matt is going to be able to tell the other I told you so at some point in the next six months. It'll be interesting to see. It will be interesting to see. This trip was brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Kasha. Cash app, somebody stacks that, send sets, receives that, sell sets. If you so please, we're saying sets, 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 Because sets are the standards, 100 million sets in one Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. You can stack whole stat, sats instead. On the cash app, you can buy as little as $1, one cuck buck worth of sats. You can DCA in the sats by weekly, daily, or bi-weekly. By daily, weekly, bi-weekly. Set it and forget it. Get the cash card, personalize it. Like I've been saying, my cash card. I go, I go and spend it. I get takeout. I eat dinner. It's a great conversation starter. Ooh, what's Bitcoin? Ooh, do you trade shit coins? What do you think about Cardano? I don't think about Cardano. I don't. Cash app can be your bank account too. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers. So you can get your paychecks direct deposited in the app. If you haven't downloaded it yet, make sure you do so using the code StackingSats. It's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. This rope is also brought to you by our really, really good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital doing incredible things. Matt and I talked about them in this episode. They recently raised their... Collateral requirements out of an abundance of caution so that they didn't have to liquidate any clients. It seems like that was a, a very wise decision based on recent price volatility. So shout out to our friends at Unchained, building incredible products that leverage Bitcoin's native properties, particularly their multi-sig properties with their collaborative custody model, where they allow individuals to engage in a multi-sig quorum in which they hold two keys, Unchained holds one. Uh, and, and so you have self-sovereignty over your Bitcoin. You can always move them out of the multi-sig wallet whenever you so please. But if you're ever in a pinch and you need Unchained to be that second in the two or three multi-sig, they're there for you. And you freaks are getting a special offer. If you tell them that TFTC sent you, you're going to get $50 off their white glove concierge service that will take you from zero to having a multi-sig vault set up with a thousand cuck bucks worth of Bitcoin in the vault worth of sats excuse me 
the way this works, you're going to have multiple video conferences with the Unchained team. They're going to get you comfortable with multi-sig, the concept of it, how it works. They're going to get you comfortable with their Volt product, their multi-sig implementation, how that works, the onboarding process. They're going to get you a couple of hardware wallets. They're going to get you comfortable setting those up, protecting the seed phrases, protecting the derivation pass. And then once you're comfortable, once you're like, all right, I, I get this. Okay, I've sent small amounts. I've received small amounts. Uh, it feels good. They're going to dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats into your multi-sig bolt. Again, this is the white glove con share service. If you tell them the TFTC sent, you're going to get $50 off. We're going to link to that in the show notes. Incredible team. Incredible content. Incredible products. God, I love the unchained capital team. Parker Lewis, not gradually then suddenly drew Bonsall writing about Bitcoin in space and hot waves. Buck, Pearly writing about Lightning Network and other things. Will Cole leading the product manager team. Phil Geiger leading the reject ESG movement. Just a bunch of Michael Michael Tanguma there on the sales team. They're just crushing it. Unchained-capital.com. If you want to check out, check out everything they're doing, again, we're going to link to the concierge service in the show notes. Strip is also brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to offer you freaks a lending platform. If you don't want to sell your Bitcoin but you need some liquidity, you can go to lend.hoddlehoddle.com and you can leverage their their lending platform, which allows you to put Bitcoin up as collateral in a non-custodial fashion in a peer-to-peer way between users. You do this with no KYA. See no AML, it's anonymous and it's on your own terms. They're also leveraging Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties. The way this works is you put your sats in a multi-sig escrow as collateral and you get stable coins in return. And while uh, you're paying that loan back over the duration of that loan, you have access and visibility. You don't have access, you have visibility into the wallet where your sats are being held so you you know that they're not being rehypothecated. You hold one key, counterparty holds one key, hodl hodl holds the other key. Again, global, anonymous, no KYC, no AML, available to US customers. Again, because it's non-custodial, one of the few products you could use at hodl hodl due to the fact that uh, our government's overbearing, regulators are overbearing. The only way they can get this to you is if it's uh, via this non-custodial product. If you're a stablecoin holder and you want to get some returns on that, you enter the other side of this marketplace and put your stablecoins up to be lent out at an interest rate. We'll get yield on that. So create your offers and set your own terms on lend.hodlhodl.com. That's L-E-N-D dot H-O-D-L, H-O-D-L dot com. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by good friends at Brains. 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 Brains is the team behind Slush Pool. They're also the team behind Brains OS Plus firmware. Uh, this firmware helps you stack more sats, makes your hash go further, makes you get more sats. Uh, they're leaders in the mining industry, and they're here to announce the brand new product that they have, Brains OS Plus Manager, an online platform that enables miners to remotely monitor and manage all of their ASICs running Brains OS Plus. This can help miners improve uptime and keep their farms running optimally without the hassle of needing to be on site 24-7. The manager is and will always be free. That's free 99 for Brains OS Plus miners, and they can connect an unlimited number of devices. Security and efficiency were top priorities. Brains OS Plus manager uses Stratum V2. Again, this is important for smaller and less frequent data transfers. 
with all ASIC configuration and telemetry data being sent via encrypted connections. This protects against eavesdropping and man-in-the-middle attacks where attackers will jack your hash rate and they'll mine on behalf of themselves your hash rate. They're going to take your hash rate and they're going to stack sats with your hash. Don't let them do that. Use OS Brains OS Plus, which leverages Stratum V2 to make the data transfers via encrypted connections. It's incredible. For details on the manager and how to set it up with your mining operation, go to Brains. Haven't mentioned this yet. The double I B R A I I N S dot com slash blog and check out the Brains OS Plus Manager launch article. Again, that's Brains B R A I I N S dot com and be on the lookout for Slushpool's next major update, which is going to come with ultra flexible payout system, customizable mining reward splitting, and best of all, dark theme for 24/7 hash rate monitoring. That is easy on the eyes. You got to protect your eyes, freaks. You got to protect your eyes. Low time preference. Protect your eyes. Dark theme. Brains is here to protect your eyes. Follow slush underscore pool on Twitter to see the announcement when the pool update goes live. And I got to get my obligatory. Edward, I'm going to see you in Miami. I'm going to make you eat a piece of cheese. Enjoy this rip, Greeks. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. Rabbit hole recap. Weekly recap. Matthew, thank you for the compliment. You freaks. Yeah, congrats. Congrats on a thousand, Marty. Thank you. Um, this one is an interesting one. I, I didn't mean to get, uh, I didn't intend to get uh, a little mushy with issue number 1000, but uh, it went that way. And I, I've actually been very um, uh overwhelmed, I guess is a word to say with the response. A lot of people on Twitter and emailing back directly. Thank you freaks. I love you all. I hope, uh, the inception story of Marty's bent, um, helps some of you. It's, that's one of the thing I got a lot of emails like, Hey, I'm in a similar spot. I'm happy that you, uh, articulated that. Can so, you give us, can you give the freaks some context on, uh, how you weren't able to get, a, a collar or a harness on a French bulldog? This was ultra embarrassing. So it was like one of those Uber dog work walking services. I had to go to a WeWork in Dumbo. Uh, Is it like WAG or something? I think it was WAG. And you had to get a, uh, you had to get basically certified that you can put leash on different types of dogs. And I got to the French Bulldog harness. This is ultra embarrassing because my sister and brother-in-law have a French Bulldog that we've dog watched many times in the past for weeks on end. And I just, sort of freaked out. It wasn't a live dog. They usually like walk into it. And uh, yeah, I put it on backwards apparently and uh, didn't get the dog walking job. So that was, uh, it was the lowest point of my life, Matt, uh, walking out of that. We work being like, holy shit, I can't even get a dog walking job. I don't. So what, like it was like their certification center or something. Yeah. And it was like some 21 year old hipster. And they had like all these fake dogs of different sizes and different harnesses and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I failed. 
which is pretty funny. Funny. Well, thank you for sharing it with, with me and the freaks. Well, thank you guys for reading. That's why I keep coming back. A thousand issues down, many more to come. Hopefully. Definitely. How's your week going, sir? You know, those harnesses are, they're kind of a bit, like, I, I have two dogs and they both have harnesses. They're kind of a bitch to put on, especially you can get confused if you have a clip in the wrong place and stuff. Yeah, it's not. Like, it's it not. seems a little bit unfair. Yeah. They, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm already in sunny Florida and I'm super excited for Miami next week. Uh, you're already in sunny Florida. Oh, lucky you. I'm in my flight up a day. I'm going to be arriving on Wednesday now. But before that, it's Memorial Day weekend at the Jersey Shore, brother. You got out of town too early. Vibes are high down here. Well, Memorial Day weekend, I'm going to be spending in Indianapolis. Oh, you're Watching us win that race. So you're down to Florida, up to Indy, back to Florida? (laughs) Couldn't help myself. God bless you. Are you like in the box? Yeah. Boss. You know, when Jack invites you, you have no choice. You just got to put down everything and make it happen. You got to go. You got to go. You think we're going to... We need all the freaks to pressure the Bitcoin exchanges. The only one so far that has contributed any funds to the Bitcoin IndyCar um, is is uh, Sam from uh, FTX. The shitcoiner beating you to it. I mean, he's you know he always puts up. Right. You got to give him that. Did he wind up going uh, on Consensus last night with Tom Brady? Or did that be tonight? I don't know. I, do, I didn't watch any of Consensus. I know you were on it. You didn't watch my panel, Matt? No, but you got quoted everywhere. That was fun. Really uh, really coming at it, so let's just jump into it. We'll start with Clark's dashboard, then we'll jump into everything that's going on. The mining world is hot right now for, for many reasons, and we will get to all of those reasons. But right now, speaking of mining... I saw you tweeting about this the, the other day. Not this particularly, but you're a bit skeptical of the China news. We'll, we'll have to discuss that. Current price is 38000 Is Clark's dashboard off? $38,970. It seems like it's been stuck there for a while. Let me check the TFTC ticker, which hopefully isn't pulling from Clark's dashboard. Yeah, we're at $40,186 on the ticker. What are you seeing? Uh, Bitbo has thirty-eight thousand nine hundred sixty. All right, Clark's right. Ticker's wrong. DJ, what the hell? One cuck buck's gonna get you two thousand five hundred sixty-six sats, according to Clark's dashboard. I've been deucing on Clark's dashboard a lot lately. Clark, I'm sorry. I don't know what I, I don't know what's got into me. I should. I wonder t- how many hits it gets. He's probably getting hammered. He probably is getting hammered. We're block 685, 168, 18,719,710.25 Bitcoin have been distributed to the market. That's 89.14% of all that will ever exist. Uh, there's a j- downward difficulty adjustment coming up of negative 15.5%. Uh, that is because blocks are coming in. At roughly 11 minutes and 50 seconds on average, we're 272 blocks away from that adjustment which is estimated to be on the 29th which will be saturday if this estimate holds true clark's mempool 44,215 transactions uh looks like two sat per byte is on the week 
So it looks like you may be able to clear this weekend. We're going to clear the mempool this weekend? Probably not. Hasn't cleared all year. Unspent capacity seems static from last week on Whirlpool. It's 2,437.2. It's $95 million in cuck bucks right now. Yeah, I actually, uh, I've been playing around with my Ronin Dojo node, setting that up. The the Ronin Dojo UI is in fuego. They've uh, really uh, improved it significantly um, over the last few months that I've been using it. They've been moving at lightning speed. They really have. They really, is that a... That a teaser? It was uh, more of a troll to them because they don't seem to like lightning. So. <laughs> hey, they got to focus on privacy. They can get to it. Um, yeah, mining. Big news out of China. Apparently, all the miners in China. The so this is like the we've talked about China FUD ban throughout the history of this podcast, and always say, hey, like doesn't mean anything. China's banned Bitcoin. Many, many times in the past. Don't want to be that asshole that says this time is different, but the different aspect of this time is the fact that the posturing came from a member of the Chinese Communist Party, which individuals I've spoken to who are in the know when it comes to the inner politics of China and and how things work over there. What happened to you, okay? So I'm just typing. Yeah, they're trying to stop the signal. <laughs> they're trying to break it. I don't know. Shitty Florida internet. I switched to my hotspot. Oh. Um, so yeah, word came out last Friday from a member of the Chinese Communist Party that they were going to ban mining uh, in the Mongolian province, any mining that was using coal. Um, and since then, behind the scenes, um, it, it does seem to be real this time. I mean, I've, I've spoken... Uh, we've spoken at Great America Mining to individual miners in China that are looking to uh, allocate machines outside of China's borders. They're saying that this is probably going to be a slow crackdown, um, but they they seem spooked enough to want to move. And like, uh, if, uh, there's plenty of threads. So I don't feel like I'm giving up any um, proprietary information or leaking anything that isn't public. So yeah, there's many sizable mining operations in China talking with a bunch of individuals in North America and elsewhere, Kazakhstan, um, probably most popularly before the U S even to, to move machines out. And there's the word on the street is that like capacity in Kazakhstan is completely full. um, And now Chinese miners are coming to to American mining operations looking to co-locate. And I I will say, like, it does seem a bit material this time because there's even rumors that even in Sichuan, where they're using hydro, uh, the miners are starting to get uh, frowned upon because not obviously not because it's coal or dirty energy, but because they're simply competing with great energy. Again, I know What's this coal thing. This is the first I've heard about the distinction between coal and uh, hydro. What do you mean? As, well, I thought that there was that one provincial or like the vice premier of China like gave a speech and there was a write up of the speech. And he, he mentioned a bunch of different things. And one little thing he mentioned was Bitcoin mining and trading. I don't remember anything specifically in there about coal. I think they're they're like trying to 
posture ESG now in China. I don't know why, um, but the coal. Well, they're not I'll gonna, believe it when I see it, Marty. Well, we shall see. Hash rate is down significantly. Blocked. Yeah, but I thought we were all supposed to just blindly believe that the miners are moving because it's the wet to dry season. No, that's happening as well. <laughs> but yeah. We'll Reliable sit. sources in China. I mean, I've got sources in China. I'll just say that. I'll just say that. What are your thoughts? I'm, you know, I don't trust Verify. Psyop? Are you conspiracy theory right now, PSYOP? I'm not, cons- I'm not conspiracy theory. I'm, well, first of all, if if uh, this, this I, I'm curious what the efficient market hypothesis is. Uh, Bitcoiners out there are saying to themselves, if if the authoritarian government of China um, treating Bitcoin as a threat wasn't priced in already, because uh, that seems like a pretty obvious path. But I, what what I what I see is um, Bitcoin miners in China have always been in a uh, you know tense environment. Um, they probably were always concerned about crackdowns. Uh, the Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin bans bans in in China is something that we always hear about. Uh, we've heard about it many times. Really, nothing material has come out of it. Um, and you know, if the Chinese government does want to completely move mining out of China, um, that would be a pretty dumb move on their part. Really, what would be better is to either seize or capture it which is what I already expect that they have done, which is capture specifically regulatory capture where you basically have them, you know, eating out of your hand. And if they wanted to do the opposite, you know, I think they would do a real ban, not this, whatever this is like, what, like if, if you make weed illegal, you don't allow the dealers to go sell the weed and move the weed out of the country. Like how is like, is it, is it really a ban if, if they're able to just move and if they're able to, if it's, if it's them moving, isn't this something that was already happening? There was a lot of Chinese mining operations that were trying to at least diversify where they were located. I know Bitmain was trying for a while. Um, so I don't know like how much of this is real or not. And I kind of just, you know, if, if, if the speculation just seems like uh, bullshit to me because well, I, there's just no hard sources. There's like, none of this is hard sources. And it's very much, um, it's very much uh, speculative. Not, so don't trust Verify. Am I not a hard source? Like, do you not believe that I've been talking to, to miners in China? Look, I, I believe you've been talking to miners in China. Um, I want to see them actually uh, move, I guess. Um, I hope they don't all just move to America. Yeah. And I mean, just like create, I just amplify the problem instead of China having a lot of the hash rate, just America has a lot of the hash rate. So I do hope they spread out. Um, like I said, they chose Kazakhstan first and Kazakhstan apparently is tapped out. Not but, okay. So, so, so Marty, do you think uh, there will be less than 40% of the hash rate in China a year from now? can't say for sure that's my point because so a lot of people are talking for sure right now i i never want to i never want to say for sure 
I want to be surprised. I want to be the least bit surprised. I mean, there's some, I mean, like I said, like, there's a lot of people talking Mustafa, Yilham, um, who's at Bixen, and is, uh, he's been on Castle Island uh, on the Brink podcast, and he had a thread, gosh, four days ago now at this point. I mean, they're they're singing, they're sounding the alarm bells, and I think I think it's happening. A significant amount of hash rate is going to exit it, exit from China. We'll see. We'll see. I, you know, I think I think no matter what, the important thing to realize is, you know, if there is, uh, if China is tr- the Chinese government is trying to push mining out of their country. Um, that's bullish. That's not, you know, that's definitely not bearish. Um, I'd be, I'd be more worried, like I said, about like this silent capture or seizing of equipment by the CCP. And that's also what I'd be more worried about just in any, in any government, uh, just any government, you know, getting, and I'm, I'm sure we're about to talk about this with the American Bitcoin mining council, but this idea of capture, uh, regulatory capture, or even worse, a full seizure, um, would obviously be a way worse outcome for Bitcoiners. Um, but I, 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 I do, you know, I, I just, there's just been nothing hard. So I, I just want, I want the freaks to remain skeptical. Uh, and you know, that's it. Just don't trust verify. Yeah, I'm sort of offended that you don't trust me. Look, Marty, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even put your if if you think that forty percent of hash is 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 still going to be in China this time next year, then you agree with me. I don't think forty percent is going to be there. Well, I'm trying to think of what it is now. Is it fifty? Is it sixty? But that's my point, right? Like what? Like how much is moving? It's significant weight. I mean, people are tweeting about it. Like and people are tweeting about it. yeah, Twitter. You know, just do you remember like the people just dropping dead I mean, in China? And when, I uh, started. Now we'll confirm the numbers that they're saying. I believe are real. We'll say. We'll see. We'll see. So we'll Marty, what do you think is going to happen to like the ASIC production plants? Do you think China just doesn't want mining in their borders, but they're happy to sell miners, like my, mining equipment? Well, they've actively uh, the manufacturers have actively been moving to get outside of China, predominantly in Malaysia. That's good. And the chips are made in Taiwan and South Korea. That one escaped me for a little bit. There's no chips made in China? No. The foundries are in Taiwan and uh, South Korea. Samsung and TSMC. TSCM. I always get that wrong. Um, You didn't know that? What? Like the chip foundries weren't Chip foundries aren't. Well, first of all, here at Rabbit Hole Recap, we strongly support that Taiwan is an independent country. That's a country. Um, We're not going to John Cena anybody. I can't. The the. I thought some components were made in China. I know that Taiwan has a heavy production over there, but they were. uh, um, And as far as I'm concerned, if China is really attacking Bitcoin and really wants to ban Bitcoin mining, I don't think the Taiwanese Strait is like really going to stop them. But uh, not neither do I. Um. It's another business decision at the mining level. Like that's like one check in micro BT's box is that there are foundries in South Korea. But uh, like I said, I think this, I, I, I think the Chinese government's too savvy to actually 
Well, um, one of the theories is that it's just to squeeze out medium and small scale miners and to regulatory capture the big ones. See, that makes more sense to me. That's that sounds more logical to me. Yeah. So we could both be right in that case. I think in that case, then I'm right. No, I mean, you're saying there's no hash rate migration. No, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I just, you know, the whole point of Bitcoin is that we have verifiable shit we can see. Um, meanwhile, you're like speculating the mempool might clear. Like how strict of a ban could it be? If I was Bitcoin's pumping, you. Bitcoin's pumping. And, but the mempool has been kind of clearish, you know, it's like. Uh, clearish. Clearish. It's uh, it's it's been light. The mempool has been light, not backed up, right? Like if you were expecting, we had worse backups when Bitcoin miners were moving to their dry season or wet season spot. We had worse backups than we have for this full-on Bitcoin mining ban. Well, I don't want to say that aren't they mutually exclusive though? Like just because what? hash rates, hash rate, like you could have a a fall in activity. Some people are speculating. That like Bitcoin miners in China like panic sold all their Bitcoin in mass. They like threw their hardware into trucks and they like immediately drove them across the border and shit. Like that didn't happen. I think it's on it did. Like like I said, Kazakhstan's tapped out. Okay. Okay. We'll see. What was that? I wanted to add one more thing to this. Like it stands to reason, like just knowing that some miners sold Bitcoin in a panic sell environment doesn't mean that doesn't prove anything like miners are people too. Like, you know, a lot of people panic sold, including miners. Stop panic selling people. Miners might like it's again, if, Hey, all my, I've got sources in China. They're saying they think this one time's legitimate. Even if it isn't, uh, a abrupt crackdown, it seems like it's going to be a slow rollout in the very least. Uh, and even if, it isn't, I guess, this was the straw that broke the camel's back with the Chinese mining industry. I just think, you know, that China, in six months, China will probably still account for the most hash rate on the network. And everyone who acted really confident now just will never admit that they were wrong. I will admit that and I was... And will just continue the trend. I will hold my... I will... I know you're going to hold me accountable. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. One of us is going to get that I told you so the other. Not that I want to. But one of us is going to be able to. Sticking on mining, the mining council. Where do we start? Where do we begin? Tone deaf? Forgetting history? So why don't you explain what we're talking about first? When did the tweet go out? Monday or? Went out Monday. Uh, timing. the tweet here. Timing of this was beautiful, actually, because I did the consensus. Um, I did the consensus conference, fireside chat, panel talk about the the energy FUD and just completely shit on Elon the whole time. Um, May 24th. May 24th. Yeah, that was Monday. So let me pull up uh, the tweet here. Michael Saylor, Giga Chad. Got to give you props where props are due, Matt. Don't hold anybody on a pedestal. You've been warning. You've been warning. He quote tweeted Elon Musk. Yesterday, I was pleased to host a meeting between Elon Musk and the leading Bitcoin miners in North America. 
The miners have agreed to form the Bitcoin Mining Council to promote energy usage transparency and accelerate sustainability initiatives worldwide. And the, the tweet that he's quote tweeting from Elon is spoke with North American Bitcoin miners. They committed to publish current and planned renewable usage to ask miners worldwide and to ask miners worldwide to do so. Potentially promising. Um, and then Michael Saylor, made everyone aware of his execs from Argo Blockchain, uh, Block Cap, Core Scientific, Galaxy, Hive Blockchain, HUD8, Marathon, and Riot. And so, apparently over the weekend, last weekend, uh, a group of miners and Michael Saylor met with Elon Musk to have him lecture them on what they need to do uh, to be more transparent about energy conversion uh, in the Bitcoin mining process. Uh, apparently, there's there's like a mining council now. We didn't get a call. I know we didn't get a call, Gam. Um, I mean, I first of all, you know, I think I think Michael Saylor has been incredibly consistent. Um, I think that. It's got like a. We've said on this show many times, you know, that, or at least I said on this show many times, that, you know, don't expect these guys to necessarily align with the same incentives as sovereign Bitcoiners. Um, but Bitcoin is for friends and enemies. And we should all, you know, you know, by, by being greedy, we're all promoting. You know, we're we're growing the network, right? And uh, I th- I think there's a lot of overlap um, in terms of, in, in, you know, if, if all actors act greedy, Bitcoin is should get stronger. That is the cool incentive of Bitcoin. Now, all that said, what scares me the most here, uh, and and I think Michael Saylor personally, you know, as far as one of these like regulated billionaire types. Um, has been an incredible advocate for us. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of ones that have come before him and that will come after um, that just, just throw everything out the window. Right. But what really concerns me here the most isn't the ESG stuff, which I know you're going to jump into here. um, But I think that is mostly a distraction. What concerns me the most is American miners aligning themselves with marathon who it came out of the gate saying that they want to censor mining, right? And they wanted to comply with, with this clean block initiative. And that's and what's, what really scares me about it is, is, you know, you have a lot of people that say, you have a lot of people that say like, oh, like the smart miners, you know, like Marty uh, will, will use a pool that, that, that uh, seeks profitability over censorship, right? And and they'll, they'll make more money than miners that attempt to censor. But what worries me is what we've seen in the chain analysis world is that these companies will lobby regulators to force all their competitors to do the same thing. They basically create an environment where they're necessary. Exactly. And I'm scared that's what we're seeing happening here. But I've been worried about that before this happened. Yeah. And this is what I articulated in Tuesday's newsletter as well. It's a combination Many things here, and that's why I was. Oh no, I wrote it Monday night because it was a late Monday night. TF or uh, Marty's bent. So yeah, Monday morning or Monday early Monday afternoon, went on this panel, and basically said, "Why? Why do we care what Elon thinks? We need to stop like trying to 
kowtow to the ESG movement and them trying to force like Bitcoin miners to go green when green isn't so green. It's built on coal and slavery, like a lot of it. So that's number one, like hold up a mirror to these people. Like what the fuck? But yes, I agree. The marathon thing is what's extremely, extremely scary because again, this is a slippery slope. It starts out as like a, um, an informal mining council. Like why the hell Michael Saylor, again, like you said, great advocate, incredible way of explaining Bitcoin and getting people bought in. But why do we need to go to Elon Musk and convince him of anything? Like why he proved without a shadow shadow of a doubt that he does not understand Bitcoin or Bitcoin mining and Bitcoin's proof of work mechanism specifically in that string of tweets from last week. Like if you read Elon's tweet, it really highlights the concern that you just described, right? Spoke with North American Bitcoin miners. Number one, like there's many miners outside of the group that met with him. Like he's, he's acting like he spoke with an industry group that represents all of us. Nobody represents great American mining, but us, they, they committed to publish current and planned renewable usage and to ask miners worldwide to do so. And so that last part there to ask miners worldwide to do so is like a veiled threat of coercion, right? Like, Hey, you have to do this cause we're doing this and you should do it. And it's like good and, and virtuous. And it's that slippery slope. It's just like, Hey, we're just voluntary doing this. And like the council gets a little bit more legitimate and then you have to do it. And then the transparency reports like you do carbon credits and shit like that. And then, as you said, marathon patent groups in there. It's like, Hey, if we're all doing like green energy stuff, like you should do an OFAC compliant pool too. Like if you're part of this council, you got to point your hash at our pool. They already have their pool. Come join our pool is what they're going to say. Yeah. Like it's uh, like adversary, like the lack of adversarial thinking around this particular meeting, which should have never happened is insane. Like, so I think, I think the Elon edition was after the fact, I think, these talks were already happening. And when, when he says North American miners, he means the, the overwhelming majority of corporate miners, all these, this new breed of large public corporations that are mining Bitcoin, right? Um, the institutional types. And uh, I think these conversations were already happening. And I think oh. because just like you, just like you, who's been saying for a while that the FUD is coming for the energy FUD, I think they were aware that that was going to happen. And I, and I think they just brought, you know, they sent Elon the, the Zoom link. So I've had conversations with members of the council. To be clear, I think these people are good people, well-intentioned people. I just think they're very misguided in the way that they're thinking Bitcoin mining in North America is going to succeed. Again, ESG has nothing to do with the environment. They don't care about the environment evidence by the fact that they're decommissioning nuclear power plants and you can get ESG certified even if you're expending insane amounts of coal and slave labor to build green technologies. They don't care about the environment. They care about control. And so there's a lot of pressure apparently in the, the boardrooms and uh, – 
at the the level of institutional capital allocation, the institutional capital allocators are getting a lot of pressure. They're not going to be able to write checks unless everything checks the ESG box. And so they feel that they have to posture and work this angle just so they can get access to capital and operate as publicly traded companies. And they think they can play along and sort of Trojan horse like Bitcoin's long-term success by playing along and be like, yeah, we're ESG. Look at how much renewable energy. Again, nothing will ever suffice for these people. And so there's many things here. They're misguided because they think that's like the, the, like let's play by the book. Somebody said like, we need adults in the room to stand up and just like make an effort on behalf of the industry. When really the adult thing to do if you're going to be an adult about this, you need to get down to first principles and you need to have courage, the courage to stand up being an adult, being somebody with responsibility is seeking the truth. And you need to have the courage being an adult in this situation is if you are part of one of these publicly traded companies that feels compelled to do the ESG thing, even though you know deep down in your heart, that's complete bullshit, nothing more than a, than a tool for regulatory capture, you need to stand up, have the courage to stand up and speak back and call out the bullshit. Like this is, these people are completely hypocritical. Again, they don't care about the environment. They care about control. And the whole like transparent, like with our energy mix, it doesn't even fucking make sense. Marathon, like we hate them for, for the pool and shit, but like they were already telling people they were using coal as their energy source. Like we, everybody knows we use natural gas to Great American Mining. Everybody knows Compute North uses uh, natural gas and hydro. I believe. Like you can go to people's websites and they show you like the energy mix. Like the Cambridge Institute has information. Why it's it's that I that I I understand that it's it's super sensitive for you because your industry is you know natural gas mining. Um. But we we could technically be ESG certified because we're. I, I'm, I'm aware, but I think the ESG thing is a distraction. Do you not like I the real the real concern about a, a, a council it's, it's control and this is how they control. Yes, the ESG is a lure to get to get to it's that the compliant mining shit. It's yeah. like it's like they're all going to. And, well, the ESG is like a form of compliance, right? You must comply with these transparency reports. Right, but it's like a light, it's like in comparison to which blocks, which transactions you're including it, in your blocks. It's, it's the gateway minor. drug. It's the gateway drug to censoring, right? It's like, ooh, you just start with a little energy transparency. And then eventually, oh, you, you know what? You got, if you're, you're part of this council, you got to point your hash at this pool. And I want to be clear. This, I don't believe this is law, bad for Bitcoin. Like I don't, if this were to become true, I don't think it would be bad for Bitcoin. I think it would be bad for the North American Bitcoin mining industry. That's why I'm speaking out as a North American Bitcoin miner. I just want to be able to run a business without being taxed and compelled to point hash in a certain way. As long as we don't have more than 50% of hash in North America. Yes, that is true. And when they say North America, they mean America, right? It's like in some little bit of Canada, right? Again, the States... States thing too, I think plays in our favor, which is a bit of a, it's a bit of a, a cover, not a cover, but a safeguard as well. Like the jurisdictional arbitrage between states. 
Call out all the bullshit. The adults in the room. You you know what you do if you're an adult? You don't play by like the regulation, like check the box, check the box, ESG, play along. That's not the adult thing to do. That's the cuck thing to do. That's the put your tail sheep thing to do. Put your tail between your legs and just fucking go along with the bullshit. It's all bullshit. They do not care about the environment. Like the, the hypocrisy of the whole ESG movement proves that. It's about control. The adults in the room need to stand up and say, this is bullshit. We are not going to do this. This is going to make the North American Bitcoin mining industry worse off. This is going to make uh, Bitcoin network worse off because you're going to have to defend against these censoring mining pools. Like That's the adult thing to do. Seek objective truth. Don't virtue signal. This whole fiat culture of virtue signal is all fucking bullshit, dude. I mean, so ideally what we want to see, right, is like, we want to see, I want to see less corporate mining operations, right? And more distributed, smaller mining operations. And even better if we have, you know, plebs with ASICs. Um, but right, that that's like ultimately, that's got to be the, the end goal here, right? Is to have distributed, small, ideally mobile mining operations located around the world without any country having more than 25% or something. Yeah. Agreed. And I think it's going to move that way. I actually think it's naturally going to move that way because miners are going to get priced off the grid. That's one of our long-term theses at Great America Mining is that we are strategically positioning our operations off-grid because that's where we believe the market's going to eventually move because miners are just going to be priced off the grid. Like, it's just, if you just think about it, like mining's going to need to consume more energy and miners are going to be consuming for relatively static amounts of energy on these grids and they're just going to get priced out and forced to move off grid, which is good, which is it just <laughs> makes you think of like the, the incentive system that Satoshi set up may have been unbeknownst to him at the time, but there was like this force and forcing function to distribute in the mining world specifically due to electricity prices and, and c- competition on the grid between other miners and the consumers that need to consume electricity to live their everyday lives. That's actually very underscored beauty of the incentive system. Like over time, mining's naturally incentivized to distribute. It's a diseconomy of scale. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. You're able as once, but ASICs need to kind of level out in terms of, and we're kind of seeing that already with like the S9 lifestyle life cycle lasting longer Dude, that's right? crazy did you, i don't know if we talked about this last week but s9 uh, april 20 yeah we did talk about 27 percent hash rate on the 20th it's crazy because then you start to see people like putting it in boilers and stuff to like take the waste heat and heat their homes and heat the water and heat buildings and stuff and when you start doing that then all of a sudden um you're able to get your costs lower than like large warehouses that are on grids and stuff and also you know, if we see more moves like this with the Bitcoin Mining Council, um, it's kind of tangential to what we're supposedly seeing in China, uh, is if you have this burdensome regulation that gets added on to corporate miners, um, you're further adding a profit motive to uh, the smaller miners that aren't regulatory compliant because it's just harder, you know, it's harder to root them out. They're less, they're less big of a target. Yeah. And again, we've already seen examples of miners being 
forced off the grid for other reasons. Like Venezuelan miners, the remaining operations that are autonomous and detached from the Maduro regime are doing so off grid because the Maduro regime was able to pinpoint where the miners were because they were just looking at grid grid energy load and where it was being stressed the most. And they just used heuristics to be like, all right, this might be a Bitcoin mining industry. And they would show up and, and take confiscate the miners. That's like the same thing they do with weed because weed is energy intensive. Yeah. And so like off grid, like we're, we're a power generation company too, at great American mining, like the generators. Um, and you can't track that. You can't, there's no grid to track that. Oh, like China has like the, I'm just bringing it back. China has like one of the most restrictive borders in the world. And they're just going to like ban the miners and like, let them just take all their equipment and just leave the country with it. Yeah. It's weird. doesn't make any sense. Well, that's like, that's the one thing, like, again, I know, you should allow on the CCP, but life finds a way. And I've said this many times on this podcast, but I think it, it bears repeating. You got to give it to the Chinese mining industry and just Chinese Bitcoiners in general. They've been extremely capitalistic, extremely innovative. I mean, again, I, like the these people are business savvy. They're profit driven. It's like a weird, ironic paradox going on in china it makes me like question like fuck are they like even more capitalistic than we are like these people are rabid capitalist in the mining industry in china and they're obviously hustlers. they're yeah. winners yeah they really are i mean as is evident by like bitmain and what's minor uh bitmain and micro bt like and they're they started in China and like they're the only miners anybody uses. Obviously, there's Canaan and Avalon, but I'm pretty sure they're Chinese too. Where are they based now? I don't know. I don't follow Canaan too much. No, uh, MicroBT and Bitmain. Again, I, uh, Malaysia, I think they're setting up operations. I believe so. Weird times. We'll see. I mean, again, one of us is going to be what I told you the other, or it can be like we're both right. To some degree. I just, you know, it's just such a, it's just all so tiresome. It is. Well, it's never ending, dude. This is what we sign up for. But it's like, yeah, I mean, I said, I said, uh, I had Gladstein, Gigi, and Croesus on Dispatch this week. And Gladstein asked me what my opinion was on this matter. And I was like, my opinion is, is that in previous cycles, at this point of the cycle, I just signed the fuck off. And I just don't pay attention and I just keep on stacking and, you know, you just wait it out like you don't. But but instead, you know, we have this weekly show that we do every week and then I signed up for another show on top of that. So <laughs> I have to provide my comment. But really, I think most big corners would do better just ignoring all this noise. There's so much noise. Uh, and in bull markets, usually what you see engagement wise um, is you either see the fear which drives engagement, right? Which is what we saw with the Chinese banning mining. Um, but that's not even as effective engagement as the pure bull fuel. And so what happens is like uh, like Twitter accounts and, and news organizations, like they realize pretty quickly that if they put like a slightly bullish slant on something or a slightly negative slant on something, they're gonna get significantly more engagement. And we saw that with Coindesk's conference uh, yesterday because like, the PayPal executive got asked a straight, got got straight questioned on, are you going to open withdrawals? And he gave like the biggest lip service response ever. 
about, you know, oh, we're looking into it. We would love to offer withdrawals, like yada, 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 because what else is he going to fucking say? And then every Twitter account was like, PayPal is going to let users withdraw, breaking, you know, this is bullshit. Yeah. People run with that stuff. Who was, yeah, yeah, like the Bloomberg, yeah, the all caps um, headlines coming out. So you're not you're not confident that they're actually going to do that. You think it's just I'll believe it when they see it. Like, can we just like focus on the like shit that's actually happening that's verifiable instead of you know, it's 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 like I, I said it last week. Bitcoin is bullish as fuck already. Like, we don't need to lie about it for engagement. Like, Water is can... wet. Bitcoin is bullish. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Like it's fucking ridiculous. And and so and with the mining stuff, by the way, like this whole thing, in addition, dude, I, I have you on the record agreeing with me that this whole like wet season, dry season thing is like that's like a year old. We've only heard that twice ever, right? Like this was not an OG explanation that like we've heard for years. Yeah, I mean there's uh Yeah. So we had two cycles. We had it's been around. We had last fall was the first time I ever heard of it. They were like whichever way it was going, dry season to wet season, wet season to dry. Season. Um, I guess wet season to dry season. Well, wait, wait, wait. for the longest time though, like the mining industry was notoriously opaque. It's only been like the last few years where it seemed. Yeah, well, we didn't have those big difficulty adjustments at those times of the year. We also didn't have as many miners on the market either, right? And then it turns out that the second time. It, it happens is like this. It coincides with this Bitcoin mining exodus. You know, it's just like I. I just feel like we're being conditioned. Are we being played? Yeah, it just feels. I, you know, it feels like we're being conditioned. All right. Always have your head on a swivel. I will. I'll Maybe con- I'm just too paranoid and too skeptical about everything. You should be. We all Cheers. should. That's why. That's why it was actually. Considering all, and again, Michael Saylor, love you, big fan. Disagree with this move on Sunday wholeheartedly. Uh, but considering like the Saylor praise and the pedestal he's been put on over the last year, less than the last year, I mean, I think he made his first purchase in August. It was good to see a visceral and quick reaction from Bitcoiners and the mining community saying like, this is, this is bullshit. Like, don't care who you are. It's like crazy how tone deaf it was. The closed door meeting coming out and saying on behalf of the mining industry, we're going to work to appease Elon. It's like, what the fuck? Like, no. Well, the mining community didn't come out against it, right? We did. Yeah, plenty did. We did, like everybody. But like not those those companies that are part of the mining council. The ones can't, again, because they think they're like, oh, we need to kowtow to ESG or we won't get capital. It's like, stand. They're the overwhelming majority of American miners, right? Uh, no, there's, there's private ones. There's big private ones that, and that's the other thing too. Like it doesn't make sense that the public publicly traded Bitcoin mining companies, they're playing a fiat game. Like they can't do anything with their Bitcoin. Like they have to hold it on their balance sheet, like, which is, they can't really like, maybe they can use it to like lever up in some instances, but they're sort of handcuffed, right? Cause that, that Bitcoin belongs to the shareholders at the end of the day. Well, that's what I'm saying. All these regulated companies are. Yeah. Right. And all and 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 these billionaires are too. Right. They don't even hold custody of their own coins. No, they don't. 
They have completely different goals and objectives than sovereign Bitcoiners. And that's okay. But just you have to own it. You have to know that's the case. Yeah. And you should just not idolize anyone, period, including us or anyone. Don't idolize anyone. Idolize this wave though, Chopes. We got we got Chopes. Not even the wave. Dude, don't don't shit on Chopes. This is one of the most beautiful waves in the world. But no, agreed. But let's talk about it. They're playing a different game. Like I think it's a losing game in the long run. They're playing the stock price game. Like, I don't think they can play any other game. That's their game. It is what it is, you know? Like from a long-term like business strategy perspective, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like when, you have, when you have a lot of money or you're a regulated company, it is very easy to squeeze you because you have a lot to lose. And, you know, we saw this, you know, would say what you want about Eric Voorhees about being a shit corner. The real disappointment about Eric Voorhees was that he was extremely wow. anti-state and pro-privacy. Yeah. And he bent the knee for KYC. So and why did why did he do that? He did that because he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars right now, presumably. And they would have taken everything away from him if he didn't do it. Yeah. But it's like, come on, people. Have some balls. Grow a pair. Stand up for something. Where are the people who want to stand up for anything, for what's right in this world? For, for If you guys didn't realize, we're part of a zeitgeist right here. Like This Bitcoin movement is going to be, if successful, a pivotal point in human history. Like This, this is not... There's not enough time to sit around and play these stupid games. Stand up for what's right. Speak up. That's what I mean... If you guys listen to the podcast with David Collin, that was like the, the tenor of that episode was like, grow a pair. There's so many of you out there who know that things are messed up and that things aren't right and that doing certain things like ESG, carbon credits, bending the knee to OFAC and KYC AML is wrong. You sit there and you don't say anything. Stand up for something. Please. Have some balls. Don't like Don't be beholden to the fiat standard and the way of doing things and playing the corporate public market game like oh we need the esg money from the capital allocators like fuck off it's fucking nauseating like part of something bigger than this esg capital allocator institutional money that's the other thing like we need to we need to posture this way so the institutional money can come so the kevin o'leary's so the carl icons can jump like fuck those people kevin o'leary can go suck a dick like I'd rather the stackers have more time. Agreed. Maybe I'm getting it too bombastic here. It's Memorial Day weekend. I'm a corona and a half deep. I'm sorry for saying that Kevin Leary can suck a dick, but green. maybe we'll meet him in Miami. <laughs> maybe I will. That would be funny. I'd maybe rather he's a freak. I'd rather I'd rather meet Adrian Grenier though. How about Ron Paul opening the conference? Ah. I, f- I forgot we weren't recording when we talked. Such a smart move. Boss move. And the smartest move. You're going to get everybody. Fucking legend. You're going to get everybody to be there. Like right when it starts. I was worried I was going to miss Parker and Safe and uh, Vijay's like Bitcoin standard talk. But now it's going to be impossible to. Cause it's going to be right after Ron Paul. And he'll be there in person. Live. Right. Got to love it. That's so dope. So dope. No slouch. I do use the USD. Spend your cuck buck stack sets. What do we got next? 
Do we have any shout outs? Ooh, let me pull them up. <sighs> da, 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 da. I just, I think Bitcoin is like, like there's, there's still a fight left. Yeah. And it, people should be aware of that. There's, there's a lot of fight left freaks. A lot of fight left. We have one shout out this week. TFTC.io slash contribute. If you guys want to shout out next week, shout out to a Michigan freak and good friend spending the good word, spreading the good word to his friends and family. South Louisiana misses you, brother. Watch out for the bug eyes of that cuck buck dealer, Neil Kashkari next door in Minnesota. They are all seeing. Unless you have good OPSEC, which I'm sure you do. Also, shout out Marty and Matt, as always, for the good work. Matt, wow, this is personal. When are you going to have a kid? Uh, why are you short humanity? What better use of sats than bringing a base child or chat at, base chat or chat at into the world to defend the citadels? Think about it. Much love to you and all the freaks. Cheers. A block work orange. Well, first of all, I'm getting married first. And second of all, a child is expensive, so uh, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. It'd be nice if we could pump a little bit before. Um, so you know, stack harder, freaks, and then I'll have a kid. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't blame the freaks on this. And one thing, as a father, kids are expensive. I will concede that, but they also make you want to work harder and make more money. Sure, so, but price those diapers and sats, Marty. <laughs> Hello, Bello. Best diapers in the world. You can deliver to you monthly. They're cheap. They're absorbent. Uh, they, they can take many peas. Um, look, I'm stacking for my children. So. And marriage is not far off, correct? And 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 freaks, I, you are not going to find out when my kid's born. So I'll well, let you know like a year later, two years later after it happens. No, we need to know that there's a little Odell running around. You, you will know, but the freaks aren't going to know. Well, Freaks know about mine. You're, you know it. It's gonna be impossible not to talk about. Well, we'll see. We'll find out. Kids are awesome. Everybody should have more kids. I'm, I'm gonna have another kid, hopefully soon. Honey, get ready. Got a few more Coronas, and then oh, I'm kidding. Kidding. That was a shout out. One shout out this week. Shout out to our cheers, freaks. To our freaks uh, in Louisiana again. A underscore block work underscore orange. Really came at you. I mean, that's, yeah. It's a personal question. Texas Bitcoin law. It's the same reason I don't have a house yet. It's the same reason I'm not married yet. Well, we're checking. You're getting, you're getting the list. You know, if the freaks could have, you know, if they actually put their balls on the table and we had 200K by conference day, then maybe it would have happened earlier. But everyone let me down. Yeah, you can't blame the freaks. Don't blame the freaks. Take take some responsibility. Do you think two hundred K by conference day is still in play? I mean, we, we have a week. <laughs> what do we need? Five X from here? Yeah, done. Hundred and fifty hundred and fifty thousand dollars gain. Yeah, that could happen. Consider it done. Everybody, pull out your phones. Go to your web browser. Stack right now. Let's push it. I up. can't believe people think the bull market's over. It's the most bullish thing ever. Right. Well, what if we have like a mini mini bear? Like, is this last three months considered a mini bear? Like, what do you, what do you? No. Do? 
What do you need to be considered? It could be similar to the 2012 having cycle, right? Which is 2013. We had a double, a double pump. It was like two distinct bull runs. Yeah. I mean, this is bullish. We went from like 50 to 250 back down to 50 and then to 1200. Yeah. We're consolidating. I love this consolidate. This is still consolidation, right? Now it is. We're like a week at these levels. Got scary there. When was it? Over the weekend when it went down to 32? Yeah, I was on the beach on Sunday. People were freaking out. 32,000. Oh, my God. My favorite is when, like, the college friends or whatever, like, they reach out, like, are you okay, Matt? It's like, Bitcoin's at $30,000. Like, <laughs> are you okay? Have you bought any yet? <laughs> it's, uh, you'll find your Zen freaks. Find your Zen. Find your beach. Go to the beach during these price volatility, these volatile price movements. It is hilarious just how it's just so repetitive with the emotions and the, the tweets around everything. A lot of margin got pulled off the table. It was actually a bigger drop volume-wise than March 13th of last year, March 12th of last year. The cascading liquidations of this most recent crash. crash. People don't like staying humble, you know? They yeah. like they like their leverage, and uh, this is how a free market handles it. They just wipe you out, and then they start fresh. Right? Don't get cocky, freaks. I've seen multiple threads, more than three, I think, over the last week of laser-eyed plebs coming out and saying, "I got too cocky. I traded on leverage. I got blown the fuck out." A lot of people. Um, I wonder, like, what happened with like the BlockFi people and stuff. Well, again. Shout out to Unchained, disclaimer, sponsor of the pod. Are we allowed to talk about that? Probably. It's good news, right? What were you going to say? I think it's public. Like They increased their, they increased their uh, loan to value. Oh. Um, the amount of collateral needed. What were you going to say? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it or not. I don't <laughs> There was, there was. I don't think they had to liquidate anybody. I guess there was no forced liquidations. Yeah, yeah. I spoke to them. And there was no forced liquidations. Yeah. Yeah, I but I wonder with BlockFi if that was the case. I kind of find that hard to believe. Yeah, I don't know. Again, because people don't realize that's leverage. You know, if you go to Bitmax or FTX or Bybit or some shit, and you like do a twenty x thirty x trade, like that's obviously leverage. People know they're gambling or LN Markets or something. They know they're gambling. But when you do these you know, Bitcoin back loan product stuff. Um, I feel like you don't really feel like it's, you don't feel like it's leverage, even though it is leverage. Yeah. No, it feels yeah. more responsible. You think you're like being a responsible finance person. Yeah. Well, again, shout out to Unchained. They made this move, what, like three, four months ago, sending out an email like, hey, we're going to, we're going to demand more collateral for these loans because we don't want you to get liquidated. And it turned out to work in their favor. Very strongly during the move of last weekend. Um, so shout out to, to Unchained. <laughs> Elliot Rogers says you look like Kayvon Novak. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I think he's uh, one of the uh, uh, Bam Margeris crew. Well, I'll have to look him up after. You, you, I can see it. I can see it a little bit. Um, Bam Margeris, shout out. What, uh, not KYC. It's funny. CKY. That's like the real KYC. Look, I, I think Cash App cut me off, but I'm not sure if it's Cash App or my bank. From what? Uh, I can't add cash anymore. 
and I complained last time that I could only add seven hundred dollars a day or something. Now I can't add any. Really? Yeah. I don't, you know, freaks. I've only KYC'd ever with two companies, Coinbase, and then I deleted my account and Cash App. And I think I will never KYC again after this. Oh. I'm done. You want to even try River or something like that? Nah. Hmm. Just just use Bisc going forward. Bisc. What's the volume like there? Count my chickens and walk away. Catch up sponsor of the pod. Matt Cannon, cash. I I tried to add a bunch of cash yesterday. I got um, told I couldn't add as much as I wanted to, but it was more than $700. I mean, they literally won't add, let me add anything. Somebody cash up. Can... But I think it's my bank probably. Just, it's probably my bank. I don't know. I yeah. want to say my bank out loud. I also refuse to get a new bank. I'm never going to get a new bank again. This is my last bank ever. Like, Why am I going to open up a new bank account? Yeah. Why would you ever? All the banks are about to start selling Bitcoin, though. Yeah, they're not really selling Bitcoin, though. Oh, no. <laughs> I just got that all over my podcast player. They're selling custodial IOUs. This is in my father-in-law's bedroom. I just got beer all over the carpet. God damn it. Um, you free roll it for 30 seconds because I need to go get my paper towel. Okay. Um, PSA about two-factor authentication codes, freaks. Uh, a lot of you use Google Authenticator on your phone. Google Authenticator cannot be backed up. So if you lose your phone or your phone gets stolen or it falls in the toilet and stops working, uh, you could get locked out of your accounts and it becomes a real pain in the ass to recover from that. You're going to have to go through all these different account recovery processes. And for some real sovereign stuff, you'll just never be able to get access to it again. Um, so consider using an open source alternative. Just in general, it's better to use an open source alternative here for privacy related reasons. Um, and my favorite is Aegis Authenticator. You can find it in F-Droid and you can back that up. You can do an encrypted backup of that. So make sure you, you back up your two-factor codes. If you haven't done that yet, um, you might need to, while you still have your current two-factor authentication app, you might need to go into those accounts, basically disable your two-factor and then re-enable it and this time scan it with Aegis. Um, we have a freak in the... We have a freak in the chat mentioning, of course, uh, if it makes you feel more comfortable, Pack you up. can import it into another phone as well. And just that way you have a live backup going at any given time as, uh, in addition. But uh, Aegis is really great. I highly recommend it. And it has very easy encrypted backup feature. It's a 2FA app? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm saying to, I want the freaks to back up their two-factor codes. It was a PSA. Did you have something happen? No, but Ben the Carmen did. Ah, Ben. My boy Ben. Yeah, pack up your 2FAs. That, yeah. Yeah, I've had a I've had that happen to me too. You can't If you lose that 2FA and you don't have it backed up, it's quite a pain in the ass. Not fun. It's not fun. Uh, what else? But also, don't let that discourage you. You should be using two-factor everywhere that they support it. Yeah. Um, this Texas Bitcoin law is interesting. 
Yeah, I had him explain. Did you see? I had someone explain to me on Twitter what it meant. Was um, it uh, whoever posted the tweet? Whoever tweeted it out? Was it Chris? Yeah. What would he say? So here it is. Uh, HB 4474 relating to the control of virtual currency and the rights of purchasers who obtain control of virtual currency for purposes of the uniform commercial code. This was on the Texas state legislator floor got passed. I know Parker Lewis was there with Chris Collicott um, and a couple others, I believe. Did Parker propose the bill or is that a different Parker that's in the document? It says like submitted by Parker at Al. Yeah, no, I think that's the last name. Right, it can't be. They're not going to do the first name, right? Okay, but um, so I guess I guess the TLDR basically is that it makes Bitcoin a recognized currency in the state of Texas is like basically my understanding. Yeah, I think it's like the first step of them being able to hold it on their balance sheet as a state too, as a legislator. I would imagine because that's like when I talked to Mayor Conger from Tennessee. He said that was like the hurdles they got to get it on the city's balance sheet is at the state level. They have to push legislation through that allows them to hold it on their balance sheet by classifying it as such. And that's when I joked with him. I was like, can you hold cash on your balance sheet? He's like, yeah, we can hold cash. It's like Bitcoin's cash. It's digital cash. Just hold it. And he's like, ah, no, it's more complicated than that. Yeah, I mean, I assume most of these cities and states just don't have a budget surplus, so... You know, like Wyoming's special in that regard. They have like their sovereign wealth fund. Yeah, it's getting drained pretty quickly though, with the uh, ban of fracking. Um, so I, a couple things on the two factor, just real quick, because freaks are confused in the chat. So I assume that the the listeners are also confused. Um, the two factor I mentioned is called Aegis Authenticator. That's A E G I S. Another good free open source one that allows you to back up is And O T P. That's A A A N D O T P. And uh, don't use SMS two-factor. That sucks. Text-based two-factor, you don't want to do that. You want to use the codes with the app um, or like a dedicated hardware device like a YubiKey. Um, yeah. There you go. <laughs> freaks are saying I have boobs. They're packs, freaks. They're packs. Well, when you were cleaning up, you were giving us a show. My bad. My bad. Uh, Texas thing's interesting getting more in the states i should add that to my states are getting into bitcoin thread ray dalio owns bitcoin this seemed like very half-assed admission like very non-committed it's the same thing right it's like oh. like if someone had consensus asks you like what do you think of bitcoin and they go i have some bitcoin and then they're like okay new cycle start but i mean ray dalio is a fucking legend right so and people respect him Bloomberg reached my limit, but Carl Icahn wants to get into cryptocurrency in a big way, which probably means he's already in, if you know Icahn's past. He says he doesn't have any, though. Yeah, he says that, but... Or maybe he's buying now. But why would he even mention it? Exactly. Yeah, you're right. That's his move. What's really interesting is how mature Bitcoin is that the price barely moved on that. I think people are just exhausted the last few weeks. Like, yeah, it does seem like it's not, it's like what? You had Paul Tudor Jones last year, obviously Sailor, what they're doing at MicroStrategy. We had Drunken Miller earlier this year. 
Who else? See Scott Bittard talk shit about us again? Scott Bittard from Guggenheim? What's he say? Uh, he said it was like a. He, he said it was going to zero, basically. There's no underlying value. He just flip flops back and forth on us. Yeah. Dude had a $300,000 Bitcoin prediction at one point. Okay, yeah. Weird. Well, again, like the point I was trying to make there is like the. Price jump from these types getting in is probably going to be reduced significantly moving forward because it's just like, all right, another hedge fund guy's in. So what? I don't know. It depends. You know, if it, if one of these guys came out like a, the way Sailor comes out, then like you could you could see if they if they come in hard and they buy and then they just keep promoting Bitcoin, like you could see them moving the price, you know, it's just, it's circular logic, but it's like almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. What is going to be the fundamental driver anymore? Like look what Elon did. Like Elon, you know, before he went off the deep end, right. He was, he pumped it pretty hard and it, and after he bought it automatically went up because of it. Yeah. (sighs) That was another big debate this week. There was a, Nick Carter had a spaces about the whole mining council. Nick was he was okay with the mining council. I guess we'll put it to that. He wants miners to be more transparent about their energy mix. Again, I don't think we should fall prey to that frame, but uh, the spaces that Nick hosted, I think it was Tuesday night. There was a big crowd in there, and there was. People like, oh, Bitcoiners need, oh, lost Matt, running solo here. I'll keep going. In Nick Spaces, there was people like, Bitcoiners need to fix their pitch. You guys need to fix your pitch. It's all about price, number go up. And obviously, yes, people do talk about price and number go up. Uh, but Bitcoiners, Gladstein most famously, and others I write about a lot in the bend, talk about the the properties, like the the freedom-enabling properties of the network. Like the fact that it allows the the women of the NSARS movement to accept money and receive and send digital cash after their bank accounts got cut off. It, it allows Venezuelans to escape hyperinflation to accept money from family members abroad when they otherwise wouldn't be able to via the traditional means because of sanctions. It allows Iranians to accept money because they're sanctioned. It allows Turks people in Lebanon, Lebanese, to escape hyperinflation. There's a real strong human rights element to this, a freedom element to it. It allows people in far-off places with access to smartphones to to have a, a bank account that they otherwise wouldn't via the traditional system. It allows them to work in the digital economy and receive money from abroad for doing work, as evidenced by stack work. And there are people in Nick's... Twitter spaces, like like hedge fund types, like Bitcoin needs to fix the narrative, like everything in the mainstream is about price. It's like, it's not Bitcoiners. Bitcoiners are talking about this. Gladstein has his bi-weekly column that he's doing in Bitcoin Magazine. He's been writing all over the place. How often is that column? It's two weeks. Every two weeks. Not, you're not going to revision his history bi-weekly on me. The point I'm trying to make is like, they're like, oh, Bitcoin's so bad. It's not Bitcoiners marketing. And people talk about the freedom right, uh, the 
the human rights aspect of Bitcoin all the time. We do here at the show. We've been covering it since it started. We've always talked about human rights on Rabbit Hole Recap. It's the CNBCs, it's the Wall Street Journals, it's the New York Times, it's the mainstream medias of the world. They refuse to talk about this stuff. It's the Aaron Sorkins. Like, nobody uses it. Nobody uses it as a, as a currency. It's objectively false. And these mainstream publications and uh, the TV channels are just covering the price volatility and bringing the Elon Musk, the Kevin O'Leary's of the world on, the Jason Calacanis is on, who don't understand this shit at all. And they're just trying they to get... They love Pomp and they Sailor. Love, they love Pomp and Sailor, too. And they mainly talk about number go up. And Pomp, I, I will give him credit, he does a good job trying to combat energy FUD. He does a good job combating energy FUD. I think he, he does make us look good in those aspects. But they, 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 don't want, they want clickbait. They want headlines. They want sound bites. They don't care about the human rights aspects. And so people are like lecturing Bitcoiners in this Twitter space the other night. Like, you guys need to focus on the actual utility. It's like, we do. Nobody picks it up because it's not going to get them clicks or views. It's bullshit. We don't need to focus on shit. Exactly. It's like Bitcoin looks so bad in the mind of the masses. It's like, yeah, the masses are watching mainstream media. The mainstream media has fucking Kevin O'Leary on talking about green coin. All that bullshit. Now he's talking about DeFi. That's where the puck's going, Matt. DeFi. But that's what I'm saying. Like ESG is, I mean, Palm's talking about DeFi now too. Is he? I, yeah, it's all fucking distraction. But that's what I'm talking about. Like this ESG stuff, not, it's, 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 it's just a method to attack us. They're going to be attacking us regardless. We'll exactly. figure out some reason to attack us. About control. Reject ESG. Reject that framing. Matt, are you okay over there? Yeah, I got someone walking behind me, so I keep turning off my camera. Yeah. And also, the internet here fucking sucks. I'm sure your grandmother's happy that you're screaming that in her house. <laughs> Four-month Bitcoin ban in Iran. Is it real? Yeah, it seems like it. it seems like it. Um... Did you see that the Iranian president also said that the um, that 85% of the mining is unregistered and that they can't is like unlicensed, so they don't even know who's doing the mining. That's yeah, beautiful. So, so they're just really fucking over the 15% that were already KYC'd, right? Everyone else is gonna still mine. Yeah, wasn't that 15% already sending all their proceeds to the central bank? Like, is yeah. But this, so this harpens back to what I was saying earlier in the episode. Like miners are going to get forced off the grid everywhere. Why is Iran banning mining until September? It's because they expect it to get hot in the summer, and the miners are mining on grid, and they're going to be competing with consumers. So they they want to reduce the stress on their grid, so that Iranian citizens can have air conditioning, and not uh, die from heat strokes. So this is an example of miners getting deprioritized on grid energy. Exactly what I said earlier in the show. This is going to happen everywhere. Like People are like, oh, Texas is going to be like the mining safe haven. Off-grid mining, yes, maybe. On-grid mining, like all these huge power stations that they're building, these substations. I'm not so sure that Bitcoin mining is going to be prioritized into perpetuity. Yeah, they may be able to, for a short amount of time, for some years, eke out some profitable mining gains, but eventually... 
that that electricity will be served to the grid and the the individuals using that grid, especially as there's a mass exodus to Texas. There's only more and more people going there, that, so there's going to be more energy demand. Off-grid mining is the future, freaks, and this is good for Bitcoin. This is very good for Bitcoin. You want Bitcoin mining operators to be able to be their own autonomous, sovereign power generation companies as well. You don't compete with the grid. You don't deal with those politics. You don't deal with the surge pricing or anything like that. It makes a lot of sense to me that that's where it's going. Again, disclaimer, work for Great American Mining. That's our thesis. Do we lose you completely? Are you still there? I'm still here. I would just add that, you know, uh, I'll believe it when I see it in terms of uh, an Iran mining ban. I think I think ultimately what they want to do right is they they want uh, they want all the miners under their under their thumb right they don't want to actually kick them out of the country and obviously this idea that mining is causing uh, power outages when they're extremely energy rich is absolutely bullshit and it's just their horrible infrastructure and if anything the mining should improve that infrastructure rather than hurt it and that's what you think of Venezuela too like one of the most oil-rich countries in the world, but rolling blackouts because all the talent leaves the country because they don't want to live in a socialist regime. Regime, I would imagine similarly in Iran, a lot of the smart people left because they don't want to live under a repressive Ayatollah or something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. Software update, Spectre do-it-yourself version 1.5.4 has been released. Comarty hasn't read release notes in quite a while. Um, nothing too crazy here. Fixed some bugs, added something for cold card formatting. Inspector formatting. Blue Wallet version 6.1.4 has been released. Nothing crazy there. LND sidecar channels this is pretty cool. Similar, I saw Lisa and Nougat and Roast Beef going at it on Twitter yesterday. She would contend that this isn't technically a dual-funded channel because there is a custodial nature to it, middleman nature. Did you see that? Yeah, they they uh, they were fighting. The two teams were fighting. Sea Lightning versus LND. Yeah. So you want to explain so sidecar LND is marketing as a dual funded channel product, I guess. Well, I mean, Lisa made a good point uh, that Blockstream announced their first mainnet dual uh, dual funded channel, and then the next day LND decided, you know, that sidecar created dual funded channels too. Well. Switzerland here, neutral. Well, both teams got to give it to Sea Lightning. I mean, I wrote about it in the bin, like the data. It was, Lisa made the first duel on the channel. And it's two different things. So it like confuses the namespace further. It's like, what is what? Yeah. I don't think this idea that we're going to have multiple teams working on Lightning lasts very long. I think, I think it centralizes between like one implementation. There might be other implementations that are being used, but like Which 95% of the volume is going to be going through a single implementation. Is it controversial here? Which one do you think it is? Oh, I'm not going to do that. But I think, 
you know, I think this is more like a five-year time scale. Look, right now, L&D is dominating. Um, but Sea Lightning has a lot of advantages. I agree. But I think it's like a don't... I think Sea Lightning suffers from the don't let perfect be the enemy of good enough fallacy. And is L&D good enough? I guess that's the question you have to ask. You know, we're about to find out. Yeah. That's the way I would position it right now. Sea Lightning's going more for perfect, and LMD's more good enough. Is that a fair? I think. I think. Uh, I just think that over the next five years or whatever, like there's going to be a winner. There's other teams too. You have Rust Lightning. Rust Lightning. Uh, the Python Lightning that uh, Electrum has. Yeah. And you have Async, the Claire. Claire, yeah. And then you have that other one. Um, Immortan. I haven't even heard of that. Which is specifically for mobile and light clients. Yeah, no, I tend to agree with you. Like, what is the competitive? Like, I I saw on the TFTC tribe, Paul was in there. Like, they're gonna make Sphinx Sea Lightning compatible. But again, it seems easier to build on LND. So it's like LND versus C Lightning, C Lightning being Bitcoin, LND like Ethereum. It's like easier to build on that now. Oh, I would say that's the opposite. What do you mean? LND is like way more bloated. Okay, but it's easier to build on. I think we're on agreement here. It depends, not necessarily, because C Lightning has that beautiful like plugin architecture. Yeah. I don't. I. It's a very controversial topic. It is a very controversial topic. And we're friends with everybody on both sides. Not everybody, but many people on both sides. I don't want my boss score to go down, so I'm just going to be quiet. No, don't be quiet. Don't self-censor. Right, <laughs> I so- mean, did you hear what you heard what happened? You know what the boss score is? You understand the... Yeah, yeah, People like... Well, so the boss score is is something that Lightning Labs puts out. Yeah, and it's named after Alex Bosworth. Well, he says it's not. It's named after Balance of Satoshis. It just ironically has the same initials as his last name. Um, it's a it's a closed system. No one knows how the scoring works, right? And they released that web terminal thing, mm-hmm. um, and and it rated the the TFTC stacking Sats node as horrible. It, it rated it unstable. You know, and it had it had it has like 250 peers. It said zero good peers, like out of all 250, zero good peers. So I tweeted out in all caps. No one says this about my peers. And like <laughs> four days later, my boss score like significantly improved. Mm. So it's like, is one of the parameters of the boss score like how loud you scream on Twitter? Yeah. I appreciate the improvement to my score, though. So you got to put it all on the table. You got to talk. I know you're you're thinking it's controversial. Again, I'm very good friends with people on both sides. Like, you got to talk about it. We're supposed to be in Switzerland here, Just laying down the facts, giving the information to the freaks. But yeah, this is all early days. It's just you know people are learning things, and this sidecar thing is cool because. Um, you know, it, it's a major pain point for especially on ramps and exchanges because, you know, the the first channel that you open for the first channel that a lightning user opens is like a complicated process, especially for inbound liquidity. 
Um, so this basically allows a third party like an exchange to easily purchase a channel through Lightning Pool, which is their other product, which is supposed to be a distributed marketplace for Lightning liquidity. And then they can just hit that Lightning Pool and uh, open a channel for their customers as they send them money. Um, so it's 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 it definitely makes the onboarding experience more convenient, I would say. And it's it's specifically a really you know that that's a pain point that people feel right now in the in the industry. Oh yeah, yeah. I have um, I sat back down with the Zebedo and Mint Gox team earlier this week and actually brought up an interesting. So they have that problem too, like especially if they want to let people use it in a non-custodial way. Like, how do you set up the channels and have them balanced? And people able to send and receive pretty seamlessly off the bat. Um, there's like some incentive structures you can work. I mean, you'll hear the episode tomorrow, but like if you incentivize, particularly for Zebedee, individuals to open channels with you, and as a return, you give them like some premium subscription to a gaming thing or something like that. Like that's an interesting incentive mechanism to to get channel liquidity and channel opens going. Um, yeah. It's early days. These pain points. So what happens when one of these lightning implementations wins out? Do you see everybody coalescing on it and continue to work on it? See, or will like see lightning or LND f- folks if the other wins out be stubborn and be like, ah, no. I mean, I, I don't think it has to be. It's not going to be like a like a day when when like. A, everyone just agrees like, oh, this is the lightning implementation we're going to use. Um, I think, you know, they'll just, there'll be one implementation that has like 95% of volume. And then there'll be like four others that have, you know, the remaining 5%. Yeah. Yeah. We shall see. LND. Sidecar channels, onboarding a billion people to Bitcoin, lightning is needed. And uh, that's the name of the blog post by our good friend, Ryan Gentry. Um, and yeah, Matt described it. It's a way to open channels with the help of a third party, make sure that they're balanced on both ends. So you can send and receive at the same time, trying to improve that, that UX hurdle and do it in a way that could be profitable as a service provider. It's interesting. It's good to see these types of models played out. Um, Again, everything's about trade-offs, right? Like, is this a an acceptable trade-off? Is it one in your mind? Like, it it could be. What do you think? What? Acceptable trade-off of having a third party in this dual-funded channel open. Yeah, I mean, this is the main the main use case is an exchange sending you a withdrawal, so that makes complete sense. They yeah. already have custody, right? They're giving at that point they're giving up custody. They just start from a custodial relationship, which already exists. Yeah. Right. And then at that point, then you have a typical lightning channel between you and the exchange. So at that point you should be policing it yourself. Your node will be policing the channel. So you're entering a trust minimized relationship there, but you start in a custodial environment. Yeah. Um, the car racing, you can donate at strike.me slash racing. I'm going to donate right now. What should Make I say? Make it happen, freaks. 
What should I set? 150? 500? Are you sending it from TFTC or personally? I want to set it from personal. This will be a Marty donation. I'm going to send 500. Okay, I'll match you. I've got enough in my blue wallet here. Blue wallet's custodial freaks, unless you use it with L&D hub on Umbral. Oh, is this lightning only? Oh, are you doing on-chain? Yeah, it's just going to do on-chain. Then click. you have to click the button. You have to click the QR code. Oh. Come on. This is demo on the go. Well, I mean, that's good. You're, you're officially donated more than Brian Armstrong's donated and CZ Binance combined. CZ Binance. I just called him by his Twitter name. CZ of Binance. Is this lightning only? It shouldn't be. If you just click the... Th- have you... Just just drag drag it to the right. It gives you a new QR code. That's... Uh, that's that is... Uh, that is on-chain. Yeah, I'm trying to. A freak in the comments is like, wow, 500 sats, Marty. What a baller. Million two hundred thousand sats. That's at right now prices. Um, the that is a good point to to say while Marty's trying to figure this out is the L and D hub on Umbral is a very convenient way of Uncle Jimming people through Blue Wallet's Lightning. Um, because they can just piggyback on your channels and they don't have to know anything about channel management. And yes, it's a custodial relationship, but it's a custodial relationship with your uncle Jim, who's running the L and D hub. Um, we have a cub in the comments. What? I'm going to try it on this computer. Okay. We have someone in the comments asking how much should we worry about blue wallets custodial default on lightning? I'm really concerned about it. I think not enough people talk about it. And I think there's probably a lot of money in the custodial side. Um, and we saw what happens. It happens quick if they if it gets if it gets if they get hit with a KYC requirement or something like that. Um, who is that guy? There's a guy who's running a a similar setup um, where his mobile the mobile wallet they had was on chain was non custodial, but the Lightning defaulted to custodial. And I guess he was running a mixing service separately. And when the mixing cert, when he got arrested for the mixing service, they also seized everything in the lightning wallets. Uh, so your funds were safe if you were using the on-chain portion, but not the lightning portion. So don't use custodial lightning wallets. I don't. Boom. Donated. There we go. You've officially donated more than Brian Armstrong, the Winklevoss twins, and... CZ all at the same time, cumulatively. Supportive. So go pressure your favorite or your least favorite exchange service provider and tell them to support Bitcoin open source development and our rookie of the year IndyCar driver um, this Sunday. Yes. And we will be, um, we're going to be officially donating from the TFTC account as well. Got to get your, got to get your end of year taxable. Thank there you right. go. Tax deductible, freaks. Tax deductible. Is it tax deductible? Should be. I hope it is. I don't think it is. Yeah. Uh, we'll you fight. get 501c3. If you want tax deductible, 
my new project OpenSats is 501c3 pending. We haven't gotten it yet, but if we get it, then retroactively you will get a tax deduction. Okay. If I we still, don't get it, I still haven't got my response email. From what? From OpenSats. What'd you submit? Like I want to donate. Who'd you email? Like the, I did the email sign up form on the website. That's for that's for open source contributors are supposed to fill out if they have like an open source project or something. God damn it. Um, we're supposed to put a. Basically, we want a list of projects first, um, and we already have our BTC Pay server set up, but we're we want to have credit cards enabled at the same time. So we'll probably start accepting donations from people um, in the next couple of weeks. You. Uh, what's really cool about when we do the, if we have a relationship with River, um, and I forget who else, I think maybe OKCoin, uh, and we're just going to automatically stack. Every time anyone donates with fiat, it's just going to automatically convert into Bitcoin. And we're oh. going to hold everything as sats, and all grants go out as sats. Um, so that's fun. Number go up. You were on Stefan Lavera. Yeah, with Ben. Ben. Benny Sats describing this. Um, so go check that out, freaks. Was that late last week that was launched or early this week? Uh, maybe like a week ago. Yeah. It's been Friday. a year in the making. Uh, when Ben first came to me, I told him I didn't want anything to do with it. It sounded like too much paperwork. Uh, but he uh, he seduced me, so here we are. Oh, yeah. And then it's, it's very exciting. I think we can, we, I want to, I want, I want, it's going to be like a, it's a, I, I think it's, it, it adds a nice mix to the dev funding initiatives that are already existing in Bitcoin land and uh, we'll all help keep each other honest. So I'm, I'm happy for, for that aspect of it. Yeah. You get down, I, yeah. you get down to like a nuclear game theory there. When you have many actors. And I just want to see, like, I think it'd be cool if we, you know, if we have plebs, you know, contributing automatically 50 cuck bucks every every month, um, that just automatically convert into sats. Then you're talking about if we have like a thousand, two thousand, three thousand plebs doing that, then all of a sudden we're bringing in 150 thousand dollars every month, automatically converted into sats, automatically going to open source contributors. And no corporations necessary. You know, all of a sudden you don't have to worry about uh, some shitcoin exchange wanting better PR and giving you a giving you some kind of money, right? Yeah. So, so it's 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 a pretty cool concept in that regard. It's an incredibly cool concept. Shout out to you. Shout out to Ben. Shout out to everybody else working on OpenSats. OpenSats, check it out. Be on the lookout for the ability to begin donating. And if you're an open source contributor or an open source project looking for contributions, send them an email. It's probably why I haven't gotten an email yet. They're like, Marty, you're not working on anything open source. I'm going to make sure we're going to personally send you an email. I'm going to have the whole board CC'd on it. <laughs> Good. Good. I got some ideas. I do have some ideas. P2P pool. That could be cool to work on that again. Yeah, what happened with that? Was it just they were getting killed by variants? Yeah. Just wasn't profitable enough. You need that's what's the one good thing that's uh the 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 corporates getting regulated is that 
you really need a financial incentive. It needs to be more profitable to be the, it needs to be more profitable to be the sovereign miner than the non-sovereign miner. Yeah. Otherwise no one's going to do it. Everyone's going to do the, you know, that's how Bitcoin incentives work, right? They're going to be as pro they're going to be as profit seeking as possible. Read your voscule. That'll always be the case. The black market miners will always be more profitable. Yeah. But right now I feel like we're kind of in a honeymoon phase where that's not the case yet. Yeah. You gotta get everybody. Right. Fit. Because even like the so-called OFAC blocks aren't even. OFAC. You know, like I, I think ultimately where we go and I talked about this on dispatch, but it always bears repeating is I, like, I think that there's going to be a period where there's going to be like whitelists, which is even worse than blacklist, right? So like right now we have blacklists, they have, you know, however many addresses are on the blacklists. But what I foresee is, you know, you only mine, you only mine from a whitelisted set. So the default is you're not going to include those transactions, any transaction, unless they're already pre-approved. That's that's more dangerous. That would be more, you know, they'll lose more money on that. And I don't think it'll last very long, but I do think we're going to hit that phase. Like, I think there's, I think the majority, I think the majority of our fight hasn't even begun yet. And people already think it's, it's a given. Yeah, it's coming and it's going to be making mining very political from the ESG point of view, from the OFAC compliant port point of view, and then the on-grid. I think once miners start getting forced off-grid is when you're going to see the the black market mining market thrive. And that's like, we're trying to go to where the puck's going, where it's going to be at Great American Mining. It's going to be off-grid. That's an interesting point. Uh, we have Aku Murdov in the chat who mentioned that maybe the ESG OFAC compliant miners will get government subsidies that will improve their profitability to compensate for the fact that they're not, you know, they're not mining blocks with, with I mean, maximized fees. Yeah. I mean, that's why the ESG movement's a scam. It misallocates capital. It allows businesses that would otherwise have gone bust because they're creating products that are too expensive uh, to sustain themselves because they're getting subsidies via the carbon credit scam. But there's there's an argument to be made separately of that, that uh, like I kind of feel like Bitcoin mining is entering this new geopolitical arena that we've a lot, a lot of us have theorized about for a while, but we're finally actually entering it. Um, and in that case, there's a lot of incentives for these large governments, these large nation states to try and prioritize miners within their own borders, right? One is a defensive measure so that an enemy country or an adversary, adversary, adversary country doesn't have, you know, sufficient hash to censor their enemies, but also because um, it gives them an easier route to maybe confirm their own transactions or to have some kind of influence on the network, right? So, so they like, they're, I think there's like a decent incentive to provide additional whether that's subsidies or other kind of incentives to lure miners into your borders, right? I mean, the best incentive is just like come in, you can consume ener any energy you want at the free market price and we'll leave you alone. Um, 
but I think they might go above and beyond that, right? And uh, but again, that's and to lure miners into their borders. This is the beauty is why Bitcoin exists, right? Like to lure miners into your Bitcoin, to lure miners into your borders. You can certainly do that. You can certainly subsidize it, but it only lasts so long, right? You can only print so much money. So that's the other thing. Like you're racing. The subsidies are coming from governments and central banks that are going bankrupt and are people are losing confidence in their ability to to maintain these currencies and these debt systems that they've they've erected. So yeah, it could be a winning strategy temporarily, but again, off grid. Like if you can find your own power generation, you can find cheap energy. You can compete with that. And so that's the other paradox of this whole like subsidy game, like the ESG thing. If you're going to be an ESG miner, again, the cheapest energy is going to be coal and natural gas in most places. Um, and if the natural gas isn't uh, in a flare mitigation situation, they may force you to buy carbon credits, which is a tax, which will make you less profitable. So it's like different, like you're subsidizing the ESG movement, not ESG miners. ESG miners get the ESG seal of approval if they pay that carbon credit tax. Understand that? You get that? No, can you repeat that one more time? It's like it's the paradox of it because like the miners, the cheapest energy outside of like stranded hydro is going to be coal or natural gas. So they're gonna have to pay it they're gonna have to pay a tax. They're not gonna get subsidized for for consuming that. Like if they go along with the ESG crowd, and like try a to, negative, a negative subsidy, the opposite, yeah, the reverse tax. incentive, tax, yeah, right, yeah. Unless there's countries that are going to lure them other other places, right? That's what that's I guess that's what I kind of meant. Like I see the opposite, right? Like the, I, I mean, and that's kind of what you said anyway, right? You just, it just hurts American miners. Yeah. Like they'll just they'll leave and they'll go somewhere that doesn't hurt their bottom line as much. Exactly. Or you can go off grid. Nobody can monitor you. Why shake your head like that? Like it depends on your size, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, go listen to the Marshall Holbrook episode of TFTC. I'm not saying you, but like anybody listening, like he's just running chicken shacks. He's finding natural gas wells that are producing like 80 MCA. Right. Like there, there's an abundance of those across the country. Like you could fucking, you have Hicks in the Appalachian that could fucking poke a hole in their backyard and get like 80 MCFD and, and plug 200 S nines in and just mine silently. Nobody knowing. Right. Cause yeah. they're small. Yeah. It's going to be a lot. That's what, uh, well, like you could have off grid. That's not small, right? Off grid doesn't necessarily mean small. No. But you have a mixture of small, medium, large, massive. Tom at Great American Mining, he's convinced there's going to be like a, a Bitcoin mining moonshining era, era. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. So are we. And I think that I think that naturally happens when ASICs level out. Oh yeah. I feel like we're closer to than people realize. Yeah. That's the other thing too. Like ah. Not only are we a race against the regulations, but the regulators are. And the governments are in a race against their falling credibility, right? Like, at what point does that fall to a point where people are like, oh, fuck it, like... So that's like Alex Berg 
Um, he was making some good points about the mining council too. It's like, everybody's like posturing about ESG, but when push comes to shove and you have a collapse in the bond market, none of these institutional investors are going to give a fuck about ESG. They're going to do what I'm saying. It's a pointless argument. Right. It's like, uh, it's less point. It's less pointless for you at great American mining. I respect that because literally stupid laws can like absolutely destroy your bottom line. As you know, some states, we see this in New York, right? Like New York passes a stupid mining law. They haven't yet, but they proposed it. If they pass that stupid mining law, like it'll hurt local New York miners. It'll hurt their bottom line. They're going to have to figure out other things. I completely understand that. Um, But for Bitcoin, it doesn't fucking matter. And and what we saw is we saw like Amazon, the people are digging up these Amazon.com FUD pieces, right? And people were saying, oh, every time you buy a book on Amazon, like it burns like two lumps of coal. And what happened? What happened was Amazon delivered a better product and people like the two day free shipping and they like, you know, competitive prices and access to global goods. And they just bought it anyway. They just completely ignored it. There was no need to argue the foot away. Yeah. Just, that's the other thing. Like, again, everybody's so fucking hypocritical. <laughs> picking on Bitcoin makes, yeah. And that's the other, but I think they're going to pick on us anyway, Marty. They have been picking on us anyway, but that's like, again, I'm angry. I'm disappointed at the North American miners that are like kowtowing to this. If this economy, if if the global economy enters a recession and we have the U.S. dollar get debased further and further and economies go into tailspins, as like a lot of Bitcoiners think could happen, right? Um, if Bitcoin's price continues to go up and purchasing power continues to go up, which we expect, there's going to be a lot of animosity. And they'll figure out something to be angry about, right? But the real animosity is, I knew about Bitcoin. I didn't buy any. I hated on it instead. I ignored it instead. And instead of taking personal responsibility for not buying any Bitcoin and not securing some sats for my future generations, they're going to take it out on us and pretend like it's our fault rather than it's their own fault for not participating. They're going to try and gulag us freaks. That's why I think, so that's another reason why I think it's important to get out and engage in the narrative battle and get these messages out there. That Bitcoin is good for the environment. It is virtuous. It is making us more energy efficient. It is worth the energy expenditure. Second, third order effects of the mining industry using this amount of energy are profound. They, they disincentivize overconsumption and conspicuous consumption, and they increase opportunity cost of capital allocation, which leads to less misallocation, which leads to less energy being used on things that wind up not being productive. Like we need to get out in front of this stuff again, like, and don't again. You know, I'm say this ad nauseum. They don't care about the fucking environment. They care about control. Like it's 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 not a losing. It's not a winning strategy to play and go along with uh, complying with like the ESG narrative. It's a losing strategy from the get go. The winning strategy is seeking objective truth and having the courage to call the stuff out, which is. <sighs> It's not politically palatable a lot of times these days. A lot of people worried about the woke mob coming to cancel them, but you got to do what you got to do. You got to stand up. And one thing that was the last thing on the list 
Oh, no. I mean, Gladstein. And a good segue into Gladstein's. I was curious, I was curious on your opinion on this piece. His most recent uh, bi-weekly piece. I mean, I think it was guiding. Every two weeks. I I haven't got to, to read the whole thing yet, but I've skimmed it. And I think it. I think it's a. I mean, it makes sense. He gets goes into a, like the extractive economy, how governments and industry is just taking immense amount of resources out. He goes into mining in the Congo. They're using hydroelectric. It's helping pull them out of poverty in some. So it's twofold. Bitcoin is you know a freedom money and has immense value as a freedom money to people worldwide, um, which a lot of Bitcoin haters will just completely ignore and pretend Bitcoin has no net benefit to society. And then second of all, he says that Bitcoin will incentivize renewable energy and is, you know, TLDR, Bitcoin is the Green New Deal. Um, So I'm curious if you think that's kowtowing or if that's like a decent... uh, No, I mean, I do think it's the Green New Deal. But there is like a nuanced response to like incentivizes renewables. It does incentivize renewables in the sense that like the biggest hurdle that a lot of renewable projects has have is bootstrapping because it's hard to find customers when they start. So Bitcoin miners would be willing first customers. Now you can get into the argument of whether or not it's advantageous to seek out those renewables. I think hydro and geothermal specifically like are good examples. And that's what he touches on in Congo. They're using hydroelectric. Um, That makes a lot of sense. And that does incentivize more hydroelectric energy production to seek these stranded hydro resources, these waterfalls, these dams, whatever it may be, take advantage of those. Like I'm all for that. I'm against, not against, but vocal about wind and solar, particularly because they're just sold as, panaceas when they're extremely unreliable and the trade-offs that lead to the end product which yes does not emit any emissions while they're active the end products may not have a gas pipe that releases co2 but the supply chain that got to that end product has significant co2 emissions particularly from coal has significant significantly questionable human rights arguments to be made like to get the cobalt to make the batteries a lot of people are using slave labor to so that's the thing about solar particularly too and if you go and listen to the episode i recorded with dr ellen wald we talked about this specifically like she uh, knows a bunch of solar dealers here in New Jersey, specifically where I am, and she'll talk to them and be like, hey, most options people have are you can buy the American solar panels or the Chinese solar panels, and the Chinese solar panels are significantly cheaper, make more sense. So nobody buys the American solar panels. They buy the Chinese solar panels, and why are they cheaper? Because they're allowed to use coal to make it, and then they use slave labor. So there's this big thing in the solar industry particularly where they were saying that they were going to be able to automate the construction of the panels. They've been saying this for like 15, 20 years. And they said like by this point in time, everything will be automated. It's just simply not true. The, the process of making the panels and putting everything together is a very delicate process. The machinery can't handle so the Chinese are using Uyghur slave labor to construct the panels. 
And that's why it's so cheap. You don't have, you don't have the wage uh, cost going into your your end product cost. So you're essentially decommissioning reliable fossil fuel and nuclear power plants here in favor of wind and solar and you're buying the solar panels from China, which is using coal <laughs> and slave labor. Like it doesn't, it's just not logically consistent. Um, but back to answer your original question, does it incentivize like geothermal hydro? Yes. Wind solar? Yes. And since that they need to bootstrap and need a first customer and Bitcoin miners will be that first customer. You can get into the argument of whether or not it's, makes sense to use solar or wind as a Bitcoin miner. Again, the unreliability, it doesn't make, I would not use solar or wind as an energy source as a Bitcoin miner myself. Uh, I don't think they're reliable. Like you want to be hashing as much as possible. The wind stops. The well, so- the cool part is in a post Bitcoin world, uh, there'll be a proper free market for energy, right? So yeah, unnecessary argument. That's actually how I, I think I may have had Dave Column had an aha moment yesterday when I when I mentioned uh, Henry Ford saying we need an energy backed by currency. Buckminster Fuller saying the same thing. Currency backed by energy. Currency backed by energy. An energy currency, if you will. And Bitcoin is that energy currency. Yeah, I mean, that's what people don't realize. When Bitcoin is called a free market, which it is the closest thing to a free market we've ever had, um, our global exchanges that we have located all around the world is definitely awesome that we have that and we have competition there. But the real free market is is the miners converting energy into Bitcoin. Yeah, if that's permissionless and that's global and distributed, and you know, there's there's no third party stopping in that process. It sort of levels out the energy markets globally. Like that's what you know, Nick's been getting a lot of flack this week, but the way he described the energy arbitrage that is accessible because of Bitcoin mining is beautiful. You just envision the world, <laughs> vision of flat earth. Did you see like some flat earther assets come on the podcast today? Yeah. Are you going to debate him on the podcast? No, God, no. God. Here on, here on, here on uh, TFTC, we're strong believers in the, the round earth theory. Yes. No, I don't think it's a theory. Uh, but for argument's sake, uh, imagine you had a table, like a flat map of the world that had uh, had like holes in it or like pockets in it that represented stranded energy. You poured water on that and filled it in and you sort of had a leveling out of energy across the world. That's what Bitcoin mining does. It is that that water that fills those holes and, and creates like a, a stable energy price across the market. Very beautiful visuals. Energy buyer of last resort. Or first resort. So I, I always go back. Is it first resort or last resort? I guess it could be either. Yeah. You would say last resort because there's if there's other uses, then they'll probably pay more than Bitcoin. Yes. So like if those uses normal. don't exist, then Bitcoin's a the last resort, right? Yeah, but like boot, bootstrapping renewables would be like first resort. Like then it'd be first resort. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, it's fascinating. I'm going to link to a thread on from Alex Epstein about the IEA. Again, it's, they're coming after control. They really want to force us down this unreliable, renewable. The IEA, it's the International Energy Agency, came out with a roadmap for net zero 
by 2050. And they're trying to convince the governments of the world. And it looks like the Biden administration is going along to basically phase out fossil fuels within the next 15 years, which is completely idiotic. The amount of land area that would be needed to make the wind farms and the solar panels, the amount of transition lines that would be needed to connect everything, the amount of rare earth metals that would need to be extracted, the amount of coal that would need to be burned. Like, it is insane what's going on. Communist out there, I'm just going to call them straight up communists. They want to control you. And they, they don't care about energy use. They care about control. And they can control you if you're using less energy. Because energy use correlates highly with human flourishing. You can't, no fossil fuels in 15 years? That's what they said? That's what they're trying to say. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I don't think we'll ever see it, but they're going to try and force it. Color revolution action. Matthew, what should we end it on here? Um, I mean, I, before we end it... Uh... The, the Hexa Wallet team, who I am uh, consulting for, is looking for a looking for two developers that are adept with Bitcoin and Lightning. So if you are interested in that, uh, reach out to them on Twitter at Hexa Wallet. Figure that's a good opportunity for a freak, and uh, they appreciate it as well. The Hexaball team. Dope team. What else is going on? Guys, just stand up. Please speak out. Please. Do you, do you realize that our IndyCar is going to be starting in the third position? Ooh, it's got third position. Indy 500. Do you know how that works? There's 33 positions. Yeah. And because of qualifying, he's in the third. That's, that's the pole position. You don't want to be in second. You want to be in first or third. Correct. Yeah. Been watching a lot of F1 racing. Me too. F1's fucking dope. Right. Did you get hooked on the Netflix thing? Yeah, it was. There you go. Now I watch the. Did you watch Monaco? Yeah, I did. Uh, for stopping one. It was, it, what happened to Botas's car? We had it on silent. Like, did he just fuck up that his tire during a, a pit stop? I never got the explanation. Yeah, they couldn't get the fucking nut off. Of the, <laughs> the nut got stuck in the wheel. That Mercedes is actively trying to to sabotage Botas. I've actually been saying I look like Viteri Botas. Dude, I fucking love it. F1's fucking, it's a fun sport. It is, it is. I've, 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 we've been getting a little bit addicted. Do a live episode from the Austin race this fall. I'd be down. Let's do that. Let's plan it. Well, yeah, let's plan on it. Yeah. Do we know when it is? It's this fall at some point, October, November. Okay, I'm down. Pretty sure. Um, or maybe before that. And then Miami's getting one next year too. Yeah. Um, we should warn you, freaks. We're not going to be here next Thursday. We're going to be doing our live episode next Saturday. Correct. Which will probably get uploaded on Sunday, right? I, I usually try to do it right after. Um, I'll do my best. We'll see how quick the turnaround of the audio file is from the Bitcoin 2021 team. Um, we'll see, though. It was pretty quick last year. Do I need to bring my Zoom? Or like do they have like the legit audio set up? We were like emailing them, right? Did did we not get a response? Yeah, we got. I, I gotta clear that up before I leave. Yeah, my we got to double check. But I have uh, I have something to record. If we just have a line out, I have a recorder. They just yeah. give us an aux cable. Yeah, I have one as well. Um, we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, so we're gonna do that, freaks. And if you're if you're in Miami for the conference, um, you know me and Marty 
are going to be on stage both for RHR and uh, so RHR is what I say it was noon noon on on Saturday noon on Saturday um, and yeah. then you can also find me in the free open source dome so the open source section is going to be very centrally located I should be there the majority of the two days basically whenever I'm not doing RHR I'm on stage in the panels yeah. I'm gonna Come find us. I got nothing Friday. I got RHR at noon and then a panel to end the conference. If anybody's gonna stick around till three forty five and wants to I think it's gonna be going. It's me, Steve Barber, Chase Lock. It's gonna be a great panel. Yeah. Um we're gonna talk about Bitcoin energy. Three I mean it's three teams, Great American Mining, Upstream Data, Caruso doing mining and oil fields. So you're gonna get a very interesting perspective and I respect the hell out of Steve and Chase too, so I'm very excited to um, be on stage with them to talk about this stuff. I tell you, I perfected packing light. Nothing prepares you for trying to travel with fucking fifty hats. <laughs> fucking pain in the ass. You gotta ship them down there, meet them there. Yeah, but fifty is a lot, man. That is a lot. I need to get mine. I got one for you. All right, I, there's like most of them are accounted for already. I got like fifteen left found TFTC because of the talk of the Colonial Pipeline ransomware bit ago. There we go. The new freak. Welcome. Welcome. We talk about a lot more. Um, yeah, we, uh, we love you, freaks. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining the live chat. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe for us. Helps it go a long way. Listening on the podcast platforms, subscribe, rate, review. That helps if you guys want to do shout outs one shout out this week i'm gonna say i'm disappointed but i'm just gonna say like i would have had more fun if it was more shout outs i like we had the btc pay down for a bit right yeah two days but dj got it back up um tftc.io slash contribute we got matt ripping citadel dispatch every tuesday varies depending on the guests if you have european guests a little earlier but typically 5 p.m eastern 21 yeah next week it's gonna be 1 p.m eastern 1700 UTC because we're going to be doing it live from Miami Ooh. Um, on Tuesday, on that, on that Tuesday. Yeah. Next Tuesday. We got coming. Well, we're going to do it from our Airbnb. So I'm staying with Wiz and Clutus. So we're definitely Ooh. going to have both of them on and uh, we'll see who else is joining us. We're going to, we're going to do it. Yeah. We're going to do it live from the Airbnb. I, it'll probably be a video dispatch. The only video dispatch boss just because we'll all be in the same spot. Um, yeah, and I hope to see a bunch of you freaks uh, next week. Yeah. Be on the lookout for, yep, I'm going to drop tomorrow with Zebedee. They're going to be at Bitcoin 2021 too, doing like a LAN party gaming with infused lightning. Yeah, that's going to be massive. The yeah. the largest in-person Bitcoin esports event. Yeah. Period. Ever. Yeah. It should be fun. Love you, freaks. Enjoy your weekend. Happy Memorial Day to any uh, American freaks out there. Hope you guys enjoy it. Spend some time with family, friends, eat some good meats, good vegetables if you're vegetarian. Um, enjoy it. Peace and love. Campbell stack sets. <laughs>